Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. Here at Bluegrass Community Foundation, we believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind the show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. Tune into the Do Good Radio Hour every Monday at 2 p.m. to hear about the good that is the heartbeat of our community and how you can get more involved. The Good Giving Challenge is finally here. If you don't know what that is, the Good Giving Challenge is an annual week-long online giving event that rallies the community in support of our local nonprofits. And this year, 2021, is the 11th annual Good Giving Challenge, which will kick off on Giving Tuesday, November 30th, and run through Monday, December 6th. This is our biggest year ever with 179 nonprofits who are participating. So we want you to come out and show your support at bggives.org and then mark your calendars for Giving Tuesday so you can get ready to give. So for the next upcoming episodes, we are going to interview several nonprofits who are involved with the Good Giving Challenge and just allow them to share their stories. So stay tuned and continue listening because we have four awesome nonprofits on this episode who are ready to share about the life-changing work that they are doing in our community. Stay tuned. I'm here with Julie Hager Love, the president and CEO of Kentucky United Methodist Children Homes. They give hope one child at a time, and what a phrase to uphold. So welcome, Julie. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much. We are really excited about this giving opportunity, and um, what we deeply appreciate all of our donors, and we certainly could not do this work without you. Great. Well, to kick us off, will you set the scene of what your organization is all sure. So our mission is to serve Christ by providing for the physical, emotional, educational and spiritual needs of children and families. This year, we are celebrating our 150th year of service. We were founded in 1871, um, right after the Civil War, when many women and children um, needed extra support at that time. Wow. So how is this mission that you mentioned played out programming? What kind of programming do you offer? Sure. So we serve... um, youth and families from all 120 counties in Kentucky. Um, And we usually serve between 800 and 1,000 every year. Um, In 2020, during a pandemic, we served 889 children, youth, and families throughout all of the different services that we do. So we have community-based services um, that work out of Jesmond County and somewhat in Lexington as well, as well as in Owensboro. And um, we use those programs to preserve families, to help families stay together and work with each other to avoid um, children being placed in foster care. But we also do serve children who have been removed from their homes because of abuse and neglect. And um, we know that can be so very traumatic. And so we have residential care for those children. And um, we also offer independent living for youth who have aged out of foster care. So when they turn 18, they can come and live in one of our programs until they're 21. So we're trying to provide help and healing throughout all kinds of different possibilities and services. Yeah, so when you say you wanna provide hope and healing, do you have classes for that or what? how does that Sure. So with our community-based services, um, we do that. We can do, we have some classes that are offered. We do individual 
therapy for individuals, youth, or for families. We also do case management to try to find services for families to help them if they might need help with food or they might need help with um, how to parent a teenager, those kinds of things, how to deal with substance abuse. And then also in our residential and independent living, um, we teach um, kids different things like how to um, cope with stress, um, when they're in independent living, how to make a budget, how to keep a job, how to apply for a job. So we offer that in a variety of ways. You know, we live in a world that needs a lot of healing. Uh, yeah. The beautiful thing is that there's hope and usually there's fruit on the other side of healing. So can Absolutely. you explain the impact you have seen Kentucky United Methodist Children's Homes have on our community? Yeah. So let me tell you a, a story of that. Um, one of my favorite stories is a young lady who came to live with us in one of our residential programs, and she'd had just a lot of trauma in her life. And in fact, when she first came to us, we wondered if we were even the best place for her because she had so much trauma. But she started doing a lot of healing and um, really did well. And by the time she left us, she was even mentoring some of the younger kids as they came into the program. But I remember talking to her as she was getting ready to leave, and I said, just um, know that you are loved and know that there are people praying for you and know that you will be missed. And she looked at me and she said, I know I'm loved and I know there are people praying for me. And then she said, and I think I will be missed because I'm kind of a favorite around here. Mm -hmm. And I just loved how um, she was, you know, going and knowing that she was loved and cared for and that she was a favorite. And I think I think of the children in my own life personally, I want them to know those things, that they're loved and that they are a favorite. And so that we were able to do that for this young lady who had had so much trauma in her life, for her to go to her next placement and place she was going to live and know that she was loved and know that somebody saw her as a favorite. Wow. I love, that's a great story. So the whole reason of us talking today is the Good Giving Challenge is on the horizon. Yeah. This impactful story you just shared are perfect examples of how helping people understand how their where their donations are going, you know? And so sure. what is the purpose of participating in the Good Giving Challenge? Sure. Well, simply put, we could not do this this work without donors. And I think the Good Giving Challenge is just one of those places that um we deeply appreciate and we appreciate the support of the community because we could not do it. You know, we couldn't have made it through this pandemic without community support from people who brought us masks to all the people who gave us funds to for all the extras for the kids that were needed during this pandemic. You know, this um, one of the things we've kept saying at the Kentucky United Methodist Children's Home during this pandemic is this is not our first pandemic. Um, we are 150 years old and we've been through, we went through the Spanish flu pandemic. Um, so we've been through all kinds of things from, uh, we were founded right after war. We've been through a, a economic upheaval, but this is a model that says each child is a whole person and we want to focus on um, that child knowing that they are safe physically 
that they are safe emotionally, um, and that they can have educational goals. And so this is a place where you can give and we will be um, helping the whole child and the whole family. Yeah, so you've done an amazing job painting the picture of what you all do at that this organization. But last question here, I just wanna give you mm -hmm. an opportunity to say anything you haven't said yet, one final say about your organization sure. and why it's important, maybe something I didn't ask you that you would like yeah. to well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, Kentucky has the highest rate of child abuse and neglect in the whole country. We are the worst state. Wow. And I'm, yeah, I'm a, it's awful, right? I'm a lifelong Kentuckian, and I know we are better than that. And I think that Kentucky United Methodist Children's Homes is one of those places that donors and those who support us can begin to help change that statistic. This is a place where we can invest in, in not just in a program, but in youth and in families where we can help prevent abuse and also heal its effects. So we're helping the whole child, the whole family, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and educationally. And um, we cannot do this work without people supporting that kind of mission. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for sharing your story. And I learned a lot just hearing you speak and shout out where people can find out more about you, your website, social media, upcoming. Sure. Everything. So kyumh.org is our website and you can find all kinds of information there from our history, which again is 150 years of history. We've been celebrating that. That's also a great place to sign up to receive the Children's Voice, which is our quarterly mailing that is sent out. You can also download that on our website so you can hear more stories, see campaigns. We've also got ways to give there. You can give through our website. Um, we also keep a list there of items that might be needed at any given time if people want to donate particular things. So I would encourage you to go to KYUMH dot org to find out more. Lead Center for the Arts mission is to energize and educate the community through the beauty and the emotional power of the arts. As a gem of downtown Winchester, Leeds is a welcoming space where community gathers. And I'm here with Selena Arnett, the executive director who is going to bring us more into the world of Leeds. So welcome, Selena. Thank you, Katen. It's great to be here. Yeah, of course. So Leeds offers something for everyone. Tell us more about how your mission comes to life through your various programming. Leeds does a season of theater every year. We typically have a musical, a couple of kids shows, and then a straight show. We also have um, live music there. We try to do at least two or three concerts a year and are excited to be announcing a Troubadour series uh, in the near future. We, one of our most exciting things we do is our work with children. We host summer camps uh, while kids are out of school. And we just launched our new education program for kids called SPARK. And uh, in that program, kids learn the basics of drama, dance, and music with uh, three fabulous instructors um, from here in our community that teach them um, kind of the fundamentals of those three subjects. We also do a lot of work with uh, our youth advisory board, 
which is a group of high schoolers who um, are in, excited about the arts and interested in the arts, but then also uh, leadership. So they learn the basics of board governance, how to answer emails and compose letters, and they create a project every year for the community to show how the arts can change our lives. And that is also one of the most exciting things we do. Um, we are excited in the past three years to have grown our scholarship programs. Um, we have three different scholarship programs. Uh, one of them gives money to a graduating senior going into the arts. We also have another one that helps kids interested in Governor's School for the Arts prepare for that program. And thus far, I think we counted eight kids who have made it into Governor's School for the Arts. And each of those kids receives a full ride to any state school in Kentucky, which is super um, exciting. And we're so happy that we've been able to grow that program as well. The arts are obviously so crucial to the vibrancy of a community, but why would you say Lead Center for the Arts is important for the community of Winchester and actually the region? Well, um, that's really an easy question um, because it serves as a venue for events and every community needs a space like that. But the unique thing about Leeds is that it's not only a community space, but it's also creative space. So it's a place where people in the community can either create something new, which is very powerful, but also experience and empathize with other people through the things they see on stage. For instance, if you see someone experiencing something on stage that you've never experienced before, it helps you empathize and it connects us together. Um, Leeds also has a huge opportunity um, that we've been able to, to use the space to help raise money for some other organizations in Clark County. Uh, for instance, a homeless coalition, we've partnered with them to raise money for their organization. Also, um, some of the, uh, the animal shelter, Clark County Community Services, um, the STRIDE program, we host them quite often. And we also like to host uh, the, the um, schools. Um, we do a lot of programs where we host kids. And so I feel like in many ways, it reaches into all portions of our community, old and young. And many times we've just been a, a, a space for people to gather. Yeah. And like you said, Leeds is a venue. And for our listeners who've never been, it is just the most charming theater. It has a marquee with the lights. And when you walk in, you feel the history and the charm of the building while also feeling this new, fresh excitement and vibrancy for new art and new stories to tell. And so you tell all kinds of stories on your stage, but I know that you have stories of your own from being involved with Leeds and it's a family-like atmosphere. So do you mind telling us a story about your time with the organization that particularly means a lot to you? Well, um, I became involved at Leeds because I had a son who was interested in the arts and interested in drama. And so I went and I've always felt very strongly about volunteering in the community. And I just saw the potential in the place. And at the time there wasn't really a lot going on. And um, as more and more people started becoming involved, it was so amazing to see this group of kids who were at the time, you know, eight or nine years old 
kind of grow up in that space. So for me, the most exciting thing that I've been a part of is seeing those kids uh, grow and learn skills, learn confidence on the stage, learn poise, learn to be kind to each other, learn to work together as a team. And those kids, a lot of those kids have gone on to um, schools and are, are creating in their own lives now. And then on the other side of it, a lot of them come back and volunteer. <laughs> so even when they do move away and when they do other things, they always return back to their hometown and give it back. So I'd say that's probably the most rewarding thing um, that I've been a part of at Leeds um, is just the changing the lives of, of a lot of kids who needed a place that, that was home for them. And actually, you talking, I know a little bit about the history of Leeds. I want you to go into maybe just shortly, just the history of how it came to be a, an arts center. It has the coolest story of community members rallying together and really believing in the mission. Yes, um, you're right about that, Kate. Um, in the 80s, a group of citizens came together and the theater had gone downhill and there were, it needed a lot of work. And so they came together and raised the money to purchase the building. So they purchased the building and their mission was to turn it into an arts venue and a community space. And it took them a long time <laughs> to get the money, but they paid it off and basically donated it to back to the community as a nonprofit. So it became a nonprofit in 1986 and went through a massive renovation in which they built the stage because it used to be a movie theater. So they um, created this stage um, to host performances and re-envisioned the lobby and backstage so that it could host lots of different people. And it basically has been functioning as a nonprofit ever since uh, early 90s. And it's governed by a board and the board works very hard to not only take care of the historical building, this beautiful old theater from the 20s, but also to maintain its mission um, as an arts venue and community space. And everyone involved has always felt like we're just stewards of that space and that mission. So it's really a, a, a gem <laughs> that we have in Winchester. And it's also um, a gorgeous space. Um, if you have never been there, you should come see it. Um, it went through a massive renovation in 2016 when it reopened. And it has been completely redone inside, minus one or two spaces that we're working on. Um, but it has new life. And we hope to, to create an even bigger space in the future. It seems like Leeds is ever evolving and it's always improving and becoming better. And something I think that is aided in that is the Good Giving Challenge. And Leeds has been involved with the Good Giving Challenge for several years now. And I was just wondering how you have seen the Good Giving Challenge really aid your organization and its growth. Wow, that's a really, really good question, uh, Katen, but easy to answer. Um, Leeds has always existed through the generosity of the community. Um, we fundraise every year and we uh, uh, try and do our best to um, create programming that brings people in the doors. But 
as mentioned before, it's an old building and there's a lot that we have to maintain that's just in the structure and the program. So every year, the Good Giving Challenge enables us to raise operating costs for the theater. So without that, we could not have the doors open. Um, the ticket sales provide a portion of those operating costs, but the main um, money that we use to maintain the building comes through the Good Giving Challenge. And, and because we have the matching grant, it enables us and the people that care about Leeds to do so much more. So Leeds is so multifaceted and has so many moving parts. And I want to make sure that you say everything you want to say. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you have a final piece that you would like to leave people with just about Leeds, a final note. Well, I think the, the biggest note that I can think of <laughs> is just what unique times we're in right now and how uh, last year changed things for so many people. And you might think that because of that, we um, are, were in a rough spot, but it was amazing to see the community rally behind Leeds last year in the Good Giving Challenge and as a whole. And we have come out on the other end stronger. And we believe even more in our mission to create a stronger community. And um, I think it's only strong because of the people behind it. So um, art changes lives. And as, as a nonprofit, um, we believe very strongly in how do we show that through our mission? How do we touch as many people as we can? And um, that's through partnerships. We are merely one of the many organizations in Clark County that work to make our community better. better. So um, I would say as a venue, as a space, uh, Leeds is very much alive and we are so excited for this next year of theater and dance and music and art. That gets me excited too. <laughs> So Selena, shout out what's coming up for you all and where people can find out more about you, your website, your social media, all of that. Okay. Um, of course, we're leadcentered.org is our website. Um, we have an exciting concert on December 11th with Ben Solee. We're super excited to host him again. Uh, then when, on December 17th, we have the Spark Showcase, which will showcase all of our 20 young people who've been working hard um, uh, learning about the arts uh, with our amazing teachers. And then, of course, Good Giving Challenge, uh, starting on November 30th with Giving Tuesday. And um, we have, hopefully, our plan is to announce uh, the next season's theater in February. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and uh, you can always visit us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Lead Center for the Arts, and also look for our Youth Advisory Boards page. Um, they're also very active and getting ready to start a new session this year. Awesome. Well, Selena, thank you for believing in bettering a community through the arts and Leeds makes Winchester a better place. I truly know that. So we hope everyone checks them out on bggives.org. The Winchester Community Work Group is an organization who literally brings the word work to life. Whatever the need is, this organization will work to help it. And I'm here with Shannon Cox, the founder, who is going to share with us about the inner workings of this organization. So welcome to the show, Mr. Cox. 
thank you for having me. This is a unique organization and being from Winchester, I have a special place in my heart about the stuff that's going on in Winchester. So tell me more about you and your involvement with the Winchester Community Work Group. Okay, we started uh, essentially about four and a half years ago. And what we do is we uh, were two, twofold. Uh, our, our biggest drive every year is we have a work camp where we bring in kids from all, all over the Eastern United States. We had about 300 kids last year in a COVID year, which was amazing. And they came and they stayed a week in Winchester and they worked on 45 houses for, for uh, elderly and disabled folks. All of this is done at no cost to the homeowner. Uh, we also have a sidebar group of folks from lo local churches and businesses that the jobs that the work camp can't do, uh, we pick those up. As we are speaking today, there are, are some guys out working on a trailer for a lady here in town. The work that you do is so diverse, and you've kind of already done that, but can you just give us a few examples of some of the projects that you mainly focus on? Or is okay. Uh, we do everything from painting uh, inside and outside. The last year, we didn't do any projects inside at all. We paint, uh, build steps, porches, wheelchair ramps, uh, steps. Uh, the folks today are doing underpinning on a trailer and it helps with the insulation and everything and just whatever needs needs to be done they do minor repairs they build things uh just small jobs that these folks need done that most of them can't afford to have them done themselves i love the idea of just doing things that need to be done i yes that I love that. <laughs> well, and, and, and we are an unabashedly unashamed faith-based organization, and we go by the principle, uh, like Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And obviously, your organization is so interconnected with the community of Winchester in many ways. So why, in your opinion, is this organization so important? Uh, of the physical work we do. We improve people's homes. That's our bottom line. We're, we're building community. A lot of these folks live alone. They're able to, to see other people. They develop our relationship. It is just so important to let these people know that they are loved and they are remembered. And there are folks that are still in a communication with the kids that came and worked on their house two years ago. Can you explain, I'm just curious personally, how it, it works? Do you become a member of your organization or do you have like just a group where you send out a blast like, hey, I have this house who can help or how does that work? We, we take applications in January of every year. And then the national organization group 
mission trips, they send a team, team in to evaluate what the campers can do. And then uh, those that the campers can't do, myself and a couple other people, we sit down and say, oh, okay, this is a job we need to do. We accommodate all we can. By the time we are done, and, and I've only got four more jobs that we're going to do this year, we will have done 72 different projects in Winchester this year. Cool. And I, again, going back to what you said before, just doing the work that needs to be done. I love that. Yes. <laughs> so in your time at the Winchester Community Work Group, do you have a particular story you could share with us that kind of helps show the mission? I know that can be difficult because you probably have many, but. I've got two that particularly stick in my mind. One is, is the, uh, the lesson that began this whole thing. I have a part-time job at Lowe's. My niece call, called me at work one, one day, and she said, Margaret's water heater is out. And I thought, okay, I've got two questions. Who is Margaret, and what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> Margaret is a lady who works for her, who, who is in her 70s, raising two grandkids with no help from anybody, working two part-time jobs and her social security. She didn't have a way, she didn't have the means to put the water heater in herself. So I, I went to my boss and I said, I'm gonna buy a water heater. I told him the story and I said, I'm gonna use my discount on it. He said, no, you're not. He, 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 he said, we'll, we'll buy it at cost. And he said, you pay for half, I'll pay for half. And about that time, a friend of ours, who's a plumber walked by and he said, and he'll put it in. Long story short, in two hours, we had her a water heater in. Wow. And I thought, this was too easy. Maybe we can do more of this. Wow. And the next day I contacted the people at group mission trips and, and we haven't slowed down since. Another story that that really tells what this is all about. The first trip that the kids made uh, at the town, it was a really, really hot day. And I was driving around to the different work camps with a cooler full of popsicles. And I'd go and I'd give all the kids a popsicle. And I was at, the, at, at this one particular house and they were rebuilding a lady's porch and her steps. And she lived on kind of a slope. I was there with the kids and the lady came out of the house and she, she said, are you in charge of this bunch? And I thought, well, I'm about to get, get my butt chewed over something. And I said, yes, ma'am, I guess I am. And she said, I need to tell, tell you what is happening here. Uh, oh, no. She, she said, I've been afraid to use my front porch for two years. I have to go out my back door and walk around the house. And she said, now I can leave my house every day. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is okay. <laughs> Wow. We're happy with this now. 
Yeah. You know, just hearing those stories, I bet it's so rewarding for you to actually, you know, see tangible, the work that you do is tangible and you can actually see mm -hmm. the way people live in their lives. And that's so, has to be so rewarding. And to think that there are folks out there that really need this, this type of work done. Yeah. And can't have it done. And they also need the fellowship that they get uh, from these kids or from a different church group or a guy that they know that has a business in town, uh, but he comes and cares enough about him or about them uh, that he's going to work on their house for free a day. Yeah. So not only do you do the physical work, but you're also creating relationships. So it's like a right, work. right work. That's so great. And if I remember right, last year was the first year you all were involved in the Good Giving Challenge. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so could you just tell the listeners a little bit how that benefited your organization and why people should give this year? Well, as I said, all, all of this is done at no cost to the homeowner. And we don't do anybody's rental property either. It's all the, per the person that owns the house lives in the house. All the work is volunteer. Nobody is paid. So we do everything we get, every dime that's raised is used to buy materials. And basically it comes down to this. The more materials we can buy, the more houses we can work on and the more projects we can do. So if you yeah. can shout out where people can find out more about you and the work that you're doing, a website, uh, <clears throat> a group or. Okay. We have a, website uh, that is winchestercwg.org and we also have a Winchester work group Facebook page and uh, they can also contact me I'll I'll give my phone number out 859-437-0135 or they can contact me at cox1828 at roadrunner.com well awesome Mr. Cox it's so inspiring to hear the stories of work and good you're doing in such a small community and how you're just going into places and actually doing things and you know a lot of people say they're doing things and they're not really doing things and you all are actually doing things so yes we hope our listeners will check you out on beachygives.org and give to you during the good giving challenge bia cares is the building industry association of central kentucky's charitable organization and they're doing a lot of awesome stuff so I'm here with Justin Miller, who's going to share more about it. So welcome, Justin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And the con I was on your website earlier today, and the concept behind this nonprofit is really interesting and awesome. So can you share with our listeners more about the mission behind what you do? Uh, yeah. So we, as you said, we're the nonprofit arm of the Building Industry Association. So we, we're here... Um, to to help the community to support the community so uh, the service projects that that we put on really are geared towards um, you know I think in our mission it says supporting and promoting physical emotional and social well-being of Kentucky families so we we put an emphasis on um, folks that are really in need of ADA modifications or um, may not have the means to to replace the roof but the the roof is you know beyond need of replacing and 
so is this kind of a, a spot for people to come and um, again us reaching out within the local community to make a difference and and helping people's lives yeah you have various projects and services you offer to the community how have you seen these services make a lasting impact on on the community um you, you know each so each one is different and and i still i still consider myself one of the new guys on the board uh you know i've been here for about four years the board itself was founded in 2011. many of the folks that were on the board in 2011 are are still involved and uh you know the impact is felt whether it's you know putting an hvac unit in in a home or or baseboard heating in a home um yeah so the the impact is really just being there for for a hand up i think we we say it before we're we're there to help people that that need it um you know there's a lot of great organizations and a lot of great programs out there for people to take advantage of and in some cases you know those, those folks may not be approved for those programs or may not have the means to even apply to those programs but uh, the repair and the need is still there for them so we um, you know we have an application process that folks uh, in need can reach out to us submit the application and, and the board looks at it and we you know discuss what we can do um, in the time if, if for some reason we can't um, directly take on a particular project then you know our board is made up of a lot of um, local builders, contractors, uh, suppliers, realtors, lending. So it's a pretty good stretch of of our industry. So you know our reach is is one of our big uh, advantages. And so if, if BIA Care specifically can't take on a, a project at that time, then then we try to reach out to some of our connections to uh, to still make an impact to still provide something for those folks. Yeah, where are you all located? Do you have a specific building that you work from or is it just? Uh, well, so we're, it's a volunteer board and I mean, we meet at the BIA office, which is in Lexington, um, but we're, we're just, we're kind of all over the place. So you all are involved with various organizations and companies and you truly are a community organization, I feel like, just having so many different partnerships with so many different companies and organizations. So throughout your involvement on the board, has there been a story that sticks out to you as particularly impactful? Yeah, and, and again, I, I think I had said earlier that I'm, I, I still consider myself new. Um, so some of the stuff that, that we as an organization have, has done um, on some of the big impacts have been before me, but I can still feel it and just hearing the stories that the folks that were involved with it. Uh, you know, we. We have built three veteran homes. Um, so there's a, a local veteran that, uh, whatever the need may be, uh, we have partnered with in the past to build them a home and, and set them up within it. Uh, and those, you know, those are special in their own right because of, of the sacrifice that, that those guys make uh, and women make. Um, but one, as I came in, I guess one that was, a bigger project probably stood out more than than most were um, was the Amaya Catching House, and in 2018 um, we 
built and fully donated a house to her um, and her family. And she's, if you're not familiar with her, she's the one that was at her 12th birthday party and was hit by a stray bullet and was paralyzed from the waist down. And so the, that story has a feel good in itself. But, but when I got to meet Amaya and, and just see how she was or, or still is and just the positive feel, just everything about her that you would think the situation that she's in it would, would allow for someone to just kind of not do great. But, um, but her, her positivity throughout and her appreciation and just the pure joy of seeing her go through her home is something that's gonna stick with me uh, for a long time. Wow, that's a really cool story. And cool that you got to be part of it too. So yeah, yeah. the Good Giving Challenge is the reason why we're speaking today. And it's practically here, which is so crazy that it's so soon. But just for our listeners, give a pitch as to why they should give to BIA Cares. Yeah. Um, so when you give to us, you're 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 gonna sound corny, but like you're you're giving to other people. Um, I, I would say we we work with probably just as many local organizations in need as we do local individuals, and uh, you know we we've, we've touched on some, but you know between the Kentucky National Guard with our big um, toy drive initiative, it's called Operation Military Cheer, which is you know here now as well. Um, that that's something that's huge and a good cap on the year because it, it's the feel good to see the impact of, of the families that we were able to reach but you know we, we donate coffee to local uh, Lexington rescue mission we uh, have partnered with the Bob Brown house to help them get their new facility up and renovated to to be able to get some folks in there um, in need of a house or a, a space to live you know, we actually, this last board meeting, we had a, a Make-A-Wish thing come to us and a, a girl in Winchester requested a she shed. And it, it just, the, the first talk about it within the board meeting, it, you know, it sparked emotions and everybody was interested. And, in, you know, you see these burly contractors get soft wanting to make this she shed just right. So um, it, it's, you know, get, giving to us is, is giving to a lot more than just BIA Cares. It's the, the local community and, and again, my, my involvement with it, our board had all of them are made up of great people um, with, with big hearts that want to do well for our community. Just last thing here, shout out where people can find out more about you, whether that's a website or a social media page or something where people can get more involved. Yeah, so you can, uh, folks can find us on the website. It's uh, BIACentralKY.com. And there's a tab at the top that says about BIA. And, and it'll have a drop down with a BIA Cares link there. And that um, has some pictures of some of our previous projects, uh, has a, a link to donate, which would be great. Um, and uh, has you know the mission and, and some of the stuff that we've been involved in, but we're we're on Facebook as well. And um, if anyone knows anybody at the building industry uh, association, then then they 
would be able to find us as well. Awesome. Well, thanks, Justin, for sharing your story with us today. And we hope all of our listeners go and check you out during the Good Giving Challenge. Great. Thank you. I'm here with Tiffany Fletcher, board member for the Friends of Parks and Recreation in Winchester. We want to know more about that. So hello, Tiffany. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Nice to meet you. Awesome. So tell us more about the mission of the Friends of Parks and Recreation and also how you build and contribute to a happier community. So first of all, I want to say that um, our 501c3 is completely new this year. We're a newly formed nonprofit. So we're very excited to just be getting started with our mission. Um, And our mission is generally just to support uh, Winchester Clark County Parks and Recreation and their goals and their programs. They have a lot of stuff going on. And so our goal is to fundraise to help help them with those things. I love that. So yes, obviously, you know, every Parks and Rec is very involved in the community and doing all kinds of things, various different things throughout the community. So if you can, I know this will be difficult, but just go into a little bit of your programming, what you like to do throughout the community. Oh, sure. Um, so one of the things that we're very proud about is that we have programs that um, are directed at all age groups in our community. Um, the children's programming is what we really focus on, especially with our fundraising efforts, because we believe that healthy kids build healthy communities in the future. And um, we have a lot of those that go on. We have kids fitness classes. Um, there's a summer camp. There's child watch for members who go to our gym um, so that their kids can play uh, completely unplugged from technology while their parents are working out. Uh, we also have community events that members don't, you don't have to be a member for, including like a gingerbread house party, bicycle rodeo, Halloween festival, um, and stuff like that where parents and kids can can foster those healthy recreational relationships. Yeah, it sounds like you all are doing so much. I know that, you know, I'm from Winchester. And I remember the parks and recreation always being so integral and making sure the community is just thriving. And so why is this nonprofit specifically, you know, alongside Parks and Rec as a, as an entity, a benefit to the community of Winchester? Um, so one of the things that I like to say to everyone I talk to about, about Parks and Rec is that they don't like ambition, but funding is a whole nother story. Um, and we're just, um, I work at Parks and Rec, so I also get to help plan all these programs and stuff. And there's just always more that we'd love to be doing. And the community always has such great reactions to our programs that um, the nonprofit fundraising efforts are really going to help help us grow and not just do what we have always been doing, but add new things to that, especially for families and for kids. And um, like our summer camp focuses a lot on like uh, we have a lot of scholarship participants for that. Um, so people who need childcare during the summer. Um, who maybe couldn't afford like the full the full thing with daycare. Um, we want to make sure that we're reaching all levels and all uh, aspects of the community. I love that. And, you know, just like you were talking, you're involved in so many different aspects of the community with all different ages, which I think is really great. And I know you have many stories that probably help paint the picture of your impact. And I didn't know if you would mind sharing one of those with us today, just to kind of set the scene of what you do and the impact you have. Yeah, I have a bunch, but um, I, I, I can give you an example. So um, my favorite example is, so if you're, they're not your kids, you're allowed to have favorites. And one of ours is, uh, his name is Clint Oliver, and he goes here to Parks and Rec. So my personal story is I started working out with his mom doing Zumba 
five years ago um, and she has two sons. So now these guys come with her and they're swimming and they're doing our children's programming and they're doing bicycle rodeo and Clint Oliver here is three and he just finished um, our, we call it little athletes program. And it's a fundamentals class for three to six year olds. And he's just the cute, like he came in and he said, Mr. Michael told him to come get his prize and he got his little certificate. And those are my favorite kind of stories where it's like, it's generational. And then these kids grow up in these healthy like communities and they know that they're safe here and they can have fun and be healthy. And then just watching that continue as they get older. I love that. It's great. It's so great. So I, I think you mentioned this before, but the Good Giving Challenge is underway. And this is the first year you all are participating, which is exciting since you're brand new, brand new nonprofit. Yeah. So why is the Good Giving Challenge something people should keep an eye out for first? And then for you in turn, why should people give to you? Okay. So um, I'm not, actually not from Winchester originally. I moved here in 2015. I had no idea what the Good Giving Challenge was. And for me, the, the idea of taking only nonprofits and putting those people together and showing what they're doing for their communities and how you're, you can really make a difference with your spending toward them is just, that's always impressed me since I've lived here. Um, and specifically for Friends of Parks, um, we, first of all, we wanna get a number this year that we can try to beat next year. We're newly formed. We have no, we have no basis of which like, you know, a goal to shoot for. So we're really excited to set one. Um, and second, we're really focusing on the child's programming. We think, again, healthy kids build healthy communities. We want to make sure that Parks and Rec has the funding they need to really invest in our kids and invest in children's programming so that they grow up to be people like, you know, you and I and these other nonprofits who are giving back to their communities and they're making them better. And um, that's why we think that that good giving in general and to us is going to be really important. That was great. That was so great. So you've come to the end of this here. I just want to make sure that you say everything that you want to say about your organization and make sure people know really the core of why you do what you do. So here's your opportunity to just say one last thing that you want people to know about um, Friends of Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec is my happy place. Um, I have a personal health journey here. I have a work journey here. But I want everyone to know that our nonprofit board are people just like me. We all work out here. We all have families here. We see what Parks and Rec does for the community every single day, and we're really dedicated to encouraging that for others. So we all have a personal stake in this. We're not just, you know, faceless board members. We're volunteering at events, and we're we're really into it too. And we're so excited to be here this year, and we we really look forward to hearing from everyone. Yeah, it sounds like you and your fellow board members are walking examples of the impact that this has on people, and like what a, what a better way to show people what this can do than to be a walking example of it. That's great. Right, we all have a story and we're really excited to share it. Great. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you for sharing your story here on the Do Good Radio Hour and we hope everyone checks you out on beachygives.org. All right, everyone. That is it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community. I definitely know that I am. Make sure you tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.